This is Christian Conversations, Episode 4, brought to you by Turnimage. If you're looking for custom-printed t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and even sports jerseys for your organization, but you don't know where to start, these guys are for you. Turnimage will get you connected with your own dedicated print agent that will help you from start to finish on all your printing needs at an incredibly affordable price. And best of all, it's owned by a Christian friend of mine that I went to college with. These guys are the real deal and who we are working with at the Everyday Christian Network. Check them out at turnimage.com. Welcome to Christian Conversations, a podcast where I sit down and talk to other Christians about their incredible stories and how their faith has played a role. I'll talk to people all over the world about their lives, their stories, their journeys. But I want you to know this, just because we have a conversation doesn't mean we always agree on everything. But I think it's important that more and more Christians at least engage in a healthy conversation. So let's jump right in. Can we trust the Bible? I think it's a valid question. I mean, just imagine if you knew nothing about the Bible and you were to walk into a bookstore and you're like, I want to buy a Bible. And they take you over to the shelf and they say, okay, which one would you like to buy? And I'm like, well, I, I want the one God wrote. Well, there's all of these different ones. Would you like the KJV, the NKJV, the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, the RSV, the XYZ, the QRS, TUV? I mean, there's just so many different translations of the Bible, and, and they come from different places. Do you want to use the Textus Receptus, the ones that come from the Textus Receptus? Do you want to use the ones that come from West Cotton Hort? Do you want to use this? Do you want to use that? And it can get very easy to get bogged down and to, and to be very confused by all of this. So my goal today was to have a conversation with an expert, somebody who knows a lot about this topic and who has studied it and who writes about it, who podcasts about it, and I think it's going to be a fascinating listen for you. I, I hope it is, at least. It can be something that can be overwhelming, and so my goal in this episode was to kind of keep it simple. I, I didn't want to get too much into the weeds, but I did want to ask some questions that would help us know whether or not we can actually trust the Bible. And so Mark Ward is a Bible teacher and um, just a, a very intelligent man with a lot of wisdom and knowledge on this. He writes about the topic, he, he's edited books about the topic, he's written books about the topic, and he's, he's a guy that um, has spent years dedicated to the study of not just studying the Bible, but studying where the Bible comes from and why it's trustworthy and, and is able to answer some of those questions for us. Now, I understand that there are going to be some that may listen to this and they may disagree. And again, that's okay. The point of a conversation is to learn a different perspective. We don't always have to agree on everything. You may be, um, there, there's a large group of people out there that are King James only, and that's okay. I love the King James. It's what I grew up on. And so I'm not, this podcast is not about criticizing you or what you use. This is just about having a conversation with somebody about a difficult topic. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark Ward, who I'm going to let kind of introduce himself. I am the editor-in-chief of the Bible Study Magazine and the host of the Bible Study Magazine podcast. Bible Study Magazine is put out by Faith Life, makers of Logos Bible Software, and I've just long been involved in Bible teaching in church and, you know, quote-unquote professionally, but it's never been like a job for me. I really just feel amazed that I get paid to teach the Bible, usually through writing and editing, and it's been that way for about 20 years in various jobs the Lord's put me in. So I, I wanted to talk to you because of that about the topic of the Bible. So a lot of a lot of people I talk to, because I work a full-time job, and a lot of people I talk to ask questions about the Bible. How do you how do you know it's true? Can you trust it? So real basic right at first, especially, tell me a little bit, give, give me a brief history of the Bible. Where does it come from? When we when we say we have the Bible, we have God's word, what does that mean? 
Well, the, the book that we now call the Bible wasn't even collected into one bound volume, what's called a codex, where you can flip the pages until about the third or fourth century. Um, before that, it was scrolls, so it was less maybe clear that it all fit together, but once the codex form came out, uh, Christians have always collected the 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament into the Bible. Uh, the authors of the Bible, there are about 40 of them, and they lived anywhere from, let's see here, over three, no, let's see here, oh, come on, three, 3,500 years ago, coming up through Moses 3,000 years ago, um, into the most recent books of the Bible, that would be the New Testament, written toward the end of the first century, you know, within a hundred years after Christ was born. And that is where, for all Christians, the canon, the list of officially recognized books in the church, was closed. And of course, those manuscripts, because there were no printers and there were no computers, had to be copied by hand all throughout the ancient world. And we have many faithful copies in the language of the Old Testament, which is Hebrew and a tiny smattering of Aramaic. And the New Testament, which is Greek, we've got those handwritten copies that have come down to us through the centuries, and they are, you know, rem remarkably in agreement. So there's no version of the Christian faith, you know, Bart Ehrman and the Da Vinci Code might have you believe that there's a version where Jesus had a wife or, um, you know, uh, Jesus wasn't God. No, all of the Bible manuscripts that we have give the same Christian faith. So when I look at what we now call the Bible, there's all of these epistles or letters, there's history stories, there's psalms and all that. Who, who, who decided what goes in and what doesn't? How, how do I know these are the words of God and maybe not something else? Well, Jesus said in John 16, the Gospel of John, that I'm sending my Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And in John 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He said, they will, they don't recognize the voice of another. They're going to follow me. So there really wasn't a time when the church chose the books that were going to be in the Bible. Uh, consistent teaching, uh, Christian orthodoxy on this has long been that the church came to recognize the voice of the Lord through the Old and New Testament books that we commonly recognize. There were, you know, on the edges disputes about this or that book, um, but those, in and this is a complicated history, but those were resolved fairly early, and then the last of those questions was resolved about 500 years ago at what's, you know, most people who've studied any history will recognize as the Reformation. But there really aren't serious candidates for anything beyond the, um, the 66 books of the Protestant canon. Aside from, we don't want to get too complex here, Roman Catholics and Greek Orthodox, they have what's called the Deuterocanon, which just means the second canon. Even calling it that is a recognition of its uh, secondary status. I'm not afraid of those books. I don't think they're chock full of error or anything. I just don't believe, and along with uh, all other Christians of my stripe, that they are actually inspired by God. So when you say inspired by God, you mentioned earlier that you, there's multiple authors. Then you say it's inspired by God. So, so talk to me about that. What, how, how is, you know, we know that Paul wrote some of the books, um, David wrote some. 
what does that mean that these are inspired by God? We've got several Bible passages that speak directly to this. The one that speaks most directly is the one that uses that word inspired. When I say that word, I'm really just repeating a Bible verse. It is in that sense circular, but everybody who has any kind of consistent philosophy has something of a circular reasoning at their ultimate point. Mm-hmm. You, you, you appeal all the way to the Supreme Court, and then there's no Supreme Court beyond the Supreme Court to tell us the Supreme Court is right, or they would be the Supreme Court. No, if the Bible is God speaking, as it consistently claims to be, then at some point, I just have to trust that these are God's words. There's no independent jury telling me. Okay, the Bible verse that uses the word inspired is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is a metaphor, meaning he breathed it out. And it's not the people who were inspired. It's not like they had an inspiring moment. Mm-hmm. It's the scripture that's inspired. Another way the Bible talks about this in the book of Acts, one of the apostles who you know studied under Jesus Christ says, the spirit of the Lord spoke by the mouth of our father David, saying, and it's that divine and human activity that are put together that has always been the orthodox, the official version of what is the Bible. Like Jesus being fully God and fully man, the Bible is fully God and fully man. That analogy breaks down, but there are similarities there. Sure. So you you read these books and you see the personalities of Paul and Peter and Moses and all the writers of the Bible. But at the same time that they are writing, speaking as it were, it's also the Spirit of the Lord speaking by them. So we have these books of the Bible written by men, inspired by God. But one thing that you'll hear commonly um, is that the, the Bible contradicts itself. Is, is there truth to that statement? Um, because obviously, if there's contradiction, is, isn't that something we should be scared of and concerned about? Well, if the Bible is God speaking, and if God is truth, and if, as Jesus himself said, the Scriptures cannot be broken— then we have to expect that there are no real contradictions in the Bible. There are, I would absolutely admit, apparent contradictions, or I might call them tensions, places where initially I am having a hard time figuring out how do I fit these things together. One thing I find to be comforting is that every time I dig into one of these, it's not new news. I find, oh, Christians have been aware of this difficulty for a long, long time. And there are some difficulties that are harder to solve than others, When though I do see one that just gets solved. It's easily harmonized. That builds my confidence that the other places that I maybe yet don't have an answer for, um, I would have an answer if I could have additional facts. Um, or someone else may come across archaeological evidence or something that will help us come to an answer. But no consistent Christian teaching over the many centuries is that the Bible is God's Word, and therefore it does not contradict itself. So the Bible then, in your opinion, is something that can be fully trusted? Absolutely, and I do. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm spending my time on this, because I I often think what the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. What else is there if I don't have God revealing truth to me? Then if I don't have that, then I'm stuck in this natural world. That's I can't see any higher than I am tall. I'd have to get up on a stool, and that's as high as I can see. Um, if I don't have God opening up my eyes and giving me his words, 
then I cannot know for sure where I come from, why I'm here, what are the problems in this world, how can they be addressed, will they be addressed? I, I'm, I'm lost, I'm, I'm adrift. So, so this is a Bible that is trustworthy, written by God, but it says some things that are pretty, pretty dramatic, pretty difficult to even understand at times. So if, 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 I'm, if I'm a new Christian, I'm a new believer, and I'm, I'm reading the Bible, and I get to places where it talks about stonings, and it talks about God judging people, and there's, there's a harshness to that. And I know this isn't necessarily a Bible question, but I'm, I'm kind of doing this on purpose to you. If, if, this, if I'm going through and I'm reading these things that are hard for me to understand, how do I reconcile that in, in my mind? Obviously, there's, and maybe you'll address this, maybe there's a, um, a difference because of our, our cultural context and whatnot, but as a 21st century Christian, reading this book, I read some of these things and I think, how, how can a guy like Mark believe in a God, quote-unquote, like this? Yeah, excellent question. And I want to say that I am absolutely willing to face up to the difficult questions that the Bible raises. I've been listening through the Old Testament in what's called the New King James Version. It's one of many good translations of the Bible that we have. And I've been listening to parts where God says, go in and wipe out all the people in this city. And I would say a couple of different things, okay? Uh, One is that, and this is the most important, if God is the creator, then whatever he does is right. He is the one who defines what is right and wrong. And if I look at what God does in the Bible and I say, I don't know, then I'm putting myself up above God. I need to subject myself to my creator. Nonetheless, in the Bible, inspired by God, you have characters asking God, won't the judge of all the earth do right? You can expect that there are good and righteous purposes behind all of God's acts. That's the first thing I'd say. Second thing I'd say is that nobody really is reading the Bible on their own, even if they kind of think they are. Everybody who reads the Bible, with extremely few exceptions, and these would be Bible scholars, are encountering the Bible in translation. What are Bible translations? They are the work of Bible teachers. And it's not like we created this office. That is something that the Bible says Christ gave to his church. He gave pastors and teachers. If you are reading the Bible and you're a brand new believer, or you think you might be believing, you're just starting to think this stuff might be true, you're not supposed to just stay on your own. You are supposed to go to a church. You're supposed to be under the teaching ministry of a pastor, a shepherd. The people who translated the Bible are trying to shepherd you by telling you directly what the Bible says. And your pastor, wherever the Lord will uh, put you, hopefully a good sound church where they're teaching the Bible carefully, where the focus remains on what God is saying, and let's make sure we understand and believe and obey and love those things, you're going to have guidance and help. And by all means, take your questions to that pastor. I'm even willing to say, if that pastor consistently says, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, probably got to find another church. There will be places where you can find answers to your questions. Sure. And on the internet now, there are plenty of great resources. Logos Bible Software and Faith Life has tons of them. Get a subscription to Bible Study Magazine. There are tons and tons of resources from people who really are just trying to teach the Bible, to help you answer those difficult questions. So you mentioned a second ago that that you were listening through the New King James. Uh, obviously, there's the King James, the New King James, the the I'm used to the abbreviations, the ESV, the NASB, the R, there's so many of them. If, if I'm 
new to Christianity, um, and, and obviously the, probably the, the proper answer to this is talk to your pastor and what translation is, is he using, and you can be reading from the same one. But if, if I'm looking for something, you said find, find a good translation. What makes a good translation, and I know this could go, we could go into the weeds here, but in a basic level, somebody that's looking, if I'm going to the bookstore and I, I want to find a Bible, something that, that I can read, what am I looking for? Yeah, I, I would say, and this really is important, that you go to your pastor first. But if you don't have a pastor right now, if you're in between churches, if you don't know where to go, but I still want to read the Bible, then I would just encourage you to recognize that by the very nature of the case, you don't read Hebrew or Greek, almost certainly, you're going to have to trust somebody. God knows that. That's okay. Don't be all worried about, well, which one should I trust? You know, which Bible is the right one? If a Bible translation made it into your local Christian bookstore, almost certainly it's past all kinds of vettings, okay? There are uh, a few that I would steer you away from that you might encounter in a bookstore. I wouldn't start with the message, which is a paraphrase and not a translation. Later down the line, it's a good Bible study tool for those who understand what it's doing. I would not use the Passion Translation. Those are the only two that I can think of that might actually be in your local Christian bookstore. Anything else you find there, it is going to be uh, worth your reading. And I would say um, there, there really aren't tons and tons of translations. Yes, technically, if you counted them all out, there are way more than I'm even aware of. But there are only maybe six to ten that might actually be used in any given church. Um, that is, there are study translations that are highly literal or highly paraphrastic, but they're not actually used in churches for preaching. The, the church, the translations that are left, there isn't an infinite amount. And, and if you read all of them, though, that wouldn't hurt you. You would end up seeing slightly different angles on the same truth. They really are all saying the same thing. We're not talking about different Bibles that are written by different people and contradict one another. We're not talking about a game of telephone that's gone down through the centuries, and one person said this, and then it got translated, then that got translated, you know, like a photocopier uh, uh, copied over and over and over again. That's not the way it is. Um, these Bible translations are all trying to say, and all do say, the same thing. So if I've listened to this episode, and I get excited about it, and I, and I grab a Bible, even if it's the, the dusty one on my shelf, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it back down, where do I start? Where's a good place to just, you want to you wanna know Jesus, you want to love Jesus, where do I, where do I begin that process of, of digging in? I would still say, talk to your pastor. And if you don't have one who can give you some personalized guidance, the classic places to start are the Gospels. The If you start at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, that wouldn't be wrong either, but you probably will get bogged down about the time you get to Leviticus, and that's just three books in. You probably do want to start ironically enough, kind of in the middle with the life of Jesus. He is the linchpin, he's the hinge, he's the fulcrum, he is the climax of the Bible story, both in the middle and at the end when he comes to reign over this earth. Understanding who he is will put all of the Old Testament, some of which can be very difficult, and all of the New Testament into appropriate light. My favorite gospel is Matthew. A lot of people like to start in the Gospel of John and then move on to the Book of Romans, which then explains the meaning of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But if you did John, then Romans, then Genesis, you'd be following a pretty classic path of Christians. Um, that's where I'd start. You 
obviously are an expert on this issue. We're we're kind of touching the tip of the iceberg, but you you talk about this stuff. You podcast, you write, you do a lot of content about the subject of the Bible and translations and scriptures. If if I'm intrigued and interested and want more of that, where can I where can I learn more about the work you're doing? Um, so we can stay in touch with with some of the, some of that stuff. I I feel like a little bit of a broken record saying, well, you know, talk to your pastor first. Let <laughs> let his work be the thing that is where you first dig in and start to chew on the Bible. But if you still want more, and if your pastor thinks it's a fine idea, then a Bible study magazine subscription would be fine. If you're particularly interested in Bible translation, which Bible should I trust, which Bible translation is the best, I have a lot of YouTube videos about that because that is a deep concern to a lot of people. And my big message, I'll just tell you what it is right now, is the same thing I said before. The best Bible translation is all the good ones. It's whatever translation you will actually read. I'm not really worried about that uh, because they really are all saying the same thing. So my message is calm down, everybody. Here's the benefit you can get out of multiple Bible translations. You can find me on YouTube and uh, find me on the Bible Study Magazine podcast on YouTube and in that Bible Study Magazine. And for those that you mentioned... um you work for a company where you have software to help study the Bible. Tell us quickly about some of that for those that might be interested in, in more Bible study content. If you are just starting, you actually might not want Logos Bible software. It is more of an advanced tool. I would still get the app and see if you like it. We definitely have uh, tools for all levels. The focus does tend to be on people who can read Hebrew and Greek. That may come with time, or you may pick up skills in using them, even if you don't really know them. That's actually possible nowadays, and Logos would be fantastic for that. I use BibleHub.com. I just ran across something that I has improved a lot in recent years called the Step Bible. The ESV has a lot of great online tools. There's just an overabundance in the English-speaking world of excellent Bible study tools. I mean, nearly anywhere you look. Again, I would use that pastor of yours. Ask him, what would you recommend that I get into? What's it? What's at my level? And no matter where you are, there's going to be tons of stuff for you to read, lots of help that ultimately Christ has given to his church through his pastors and teachers. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. If you would, please take a moment to write a brief five-star review on iTunes to help out the show. Also, I'd love to have you jump over to everydaychristiannetwork.com to see some of the other great podcasts and content available to you. We'll see you next time on Christian Conversations. Christian Conversations.